Hello, and welcome back to the Benefits Alliance Voice. Today, we've got a great topic. Rob, I'm really excited for our guest today. Hi, I'm Rob Green, president of Green Benefits Group. Really excited to be here with you today, Caroline, because it's an important topic that as advisors, we hear a lot from companies. We sure do. And what's the hot topic of today, Rob? The real question should be, what should companies look for when choosing an advisor? And I think what we want to get out of today is the question should be to change for companies from shopping for the right benefits carrier to more looking for the right benefit advisor. We're very fortunate to have uh, two of our great colleagues and teammates at Benefits Alliance here today. First, Andrea Hansen, uh, who is from Saskatchewan. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Rob. Hi, Caroline. And Hi, Mike welcome. Scooby. Well, yeah, welcome. And Mike Scooby from uh, up north in the Thunder, from Thunder Bay. So thanks for being here. Hi, Rob. Hi, Caroline. Hello. Welcome. And both, both these uh, individuals have a lot of experience and are both board members at uh, Benefits Alliance as well. So we're looking forward to their insight on such an important topic that a lot of companies, you know, when they're looking to recruit or bring in other advisors for maybe a second opinion, what should they be looking for? I think they've got to be looking for somebody who uh, has a good handle on the benefits industry. Um, it's real easy to get involved in this. And that's one of the things that we're trying to uh, make easier for consumers is to understand who are the, the people that they should be talking to. Um, anybody who has a license at the moment can work in the benefit marketplace. Um, so we're trying to not exclude them, but we're trying to create an environment where the consumer is going to know that if you're talking to somebody, what level of knowledge they actually have. And we'd like to really professionalize our industry so that you've got to get some, some wisdom and you've got to get some education behind you to be able to help a business owner um, carve out their benefit program. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Mike. And when you say license, it's a life insurance license. So somebody whose life license could sell life insurance, they could sell segregated funds offered by an insurance company, they could sell disability insurance, and they could also sell, you know, group benefit programs as well. And uh, that's a great point around is being, you know, being a specialist. And, you know, we talk about this at Benefits Alliance a fair bit. And Andrea, you know, we have we have a number of pillars that we talk about in our organization. And and, you know, maybe this is kind of a key point that, you know, maybe if you go see a client for the first time, you know, what are some of these pillars that you focus on when you talk about your experience in the industry, Andrea? Yeah, great question, Rob. And I, and I think, yeah, just adding to your initial comments about how the industry has changed and uh, from being maybe a commodity. And I think the complexity of the benefits industry uh, has increased dramatically over the past number of years. So it's definitely gone beyond just selling a group insurance product uh, to being, you know, having an advisor consulting with employers on what their specific needs are in, in their organization and really understanding their culture and their values to see what exactly is their, what their needs are and where there are gaps. Um, so it's not something 
you know, an advisor can do on the side of their desk anymore. Like they really have to specialize in, in the benefits industry to be able to help clients achieve what they're, what they're trying to do with their, with their benefit programs. So Andrea, could you tell us, how did you uh, evolve your knowledge? How did you get started in this industry? Uh, what have you done to help yourself become an expert as a group benefits and group retirement specialist? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was from the very beginning, I felt like that was something I needed to do. And uh, especially in my younger career, knowledge, you know, was was everything to be able to demonstrate your credibility and expertise in the industry. So um, the first thing that I worked on was getting my certified financial planner designation or CFP. And then I also have a group benefits associate uh, certification, as well as we've invested in that with all of our team members. All of them have their GBA and some have gone on to get the um, full certification of certified employee benefits specialist or SEEDS designation. Uh, so it's yeah. And, you know, with those um, extra credentials comes requirements for continuing education, which I think, again, it's so important to stay current and those CE credit obligation, you know, forces, you know, advisors to keep learning, keep growing, keep investing in uh, their level of knowledge. And I think, yeah, I'd ask the same question to Mike because he's he's got, I think, some different um, credentials, all, yeah, very, very important in our industry. And I think, Mike, maybe if you could open it up with a little bit of background as well, because you've uh, you've seen the industry from both sides, not only from in training insurance advisors that were getting into the group benefit space on a full time basis to running your own practice now. So maybe give the audience a little bit of background of yourself first. And then I think that's a great question from Andrea, too. Well, 42 years ago, uh, 42? I start, I what, started, you start when you're 12. I started with London Life. Um <laughs> And went directly into the group sales side, uh, spent five years selling. And then I was asked to take on the training and recruiting uh, part of London Life group sales division and did that for nine years. And then uh, had four little kids and decided to uh, get out of the head office rat race and get into uh, a smaller branch office in Thunder Bay uh, where I ran with, I guess it was eight or nine advisors. And then I uh, moved out on my own, set up my own practice in Thunder Bay. And it's been 30 years here in Thunder Bay that we've been uh, running our operation. Got about a hundred uh, benefits clients and I probably have about 300 individual clients. Um, but I think the thing, uh, was that I was always, when I came into the business, I was always looking to work at a better place. I was always trying to find the best place to work and I could never find anything better than what we had. Um, it was all, it was just a, a great opportunity to work with people, talk about their business goals, talk about where they wanted to go. And it's always been that benefits has been an integral part of their comp package uh, it's 
means a lot to a lot of their employees. And it was always something that was different and required uh, knowledge to make sure you're doing the right things for the for your clients. Uh, Andrea talked about credentials. Uh, yeah, I've got my CLU, um, which is mainly the uh, estate planning and taxation side of life insurance and employee benefits. Always have to do continuing education every year to make sure that we're up to date uh, and that we can pick up on new things. But I think the biggest thing that it's probably given me, along with my experience, has been getting to know different situations and different options that employers are looking for. It's not just, as Andrea said, it's not just a quote. Uh, it's, it is a real process and a lot of people uh, really need to sit down and take a look at it. I know there's a lot of business owners that have a lot of friends that are in the insurance industry and they hand over their employee benefits, but they're not necessarily getting the best advice or the best practice. And we're trying to give advice. Mm -hmm. And why don't we speak, stay on that subject. And uh, before that quick sidebar, I do you remember actually, I think when I got hired, it was in a training week that you were one of my, uh, one of our managers for the week, Mike promise. I stayed awake and I listened and here I am today, <laughs> like, you know, 25 years later, look, just from oh, your early knowledge. I throw that. but um, <laughs> you just made a great point. And why don't we talk a little bit about the difference between say a broker versus an advisor specifically in our benefit space. I don't know who wants to kind of take on that question first. I, I could start. In your eyes, in your eyes versus just, you know, obviously we don't want to stereotype everybody, but just the thought process of what, mm -hmm. what an advisor will typically look at who specializes in our space versus rates go up. So let's look at something cheaper, quote unquote. Right. I, I'll start, Mike, and, and then you you chime chime in. But I think, yeah, you've alluded to it already, Rob, is, you know, well, and Mike mentioned it too, getting into the industry, the barriers to becoming a, quote, a benefits advisor, a broker are are quite low beyond um, beyond the that initial licensing. And I always say anybody can get quotes and put them in a spreadsheet and compare rates. And so I think, you know, say 10, 15 years ago, brokers were almost training business owners to look at benefits that way, that we just requote in the marketplace from all the different insurance carriers and throw them up on a spreadsheet and 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 go with the the lowest cost provider and that's how you you chose chose the product that you were with so you know um what we talk about when we you know are initially getting interviewed for an advisory role is we completely separate the product um, from the advice that we give because the insurance carriers are administer and pay claims based on the plan design and structure that you've worked with the client to put together. So, you know, yes, there's differences between between the providers, uh, which we help them navigate that, but really it's 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 secondary and the advice and understanding and and knowing the business and 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 their needs is is by far most important so that you can 
you know, give them the advice that is important to their organization. Great points. Great points. Mike, anything to add? Yeah, I think um, Caroline mentioned it about uh, Quebec is set up a little differently than the rest of the country. And I think on one side, they're set up more for advice giving than they are in terms of just product proliferation. And I, I think that's uh, something that we really strive to do. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I asked somebody to quote on their employee benefits. Mm -mm. Um, yeah. I, the main one that I get that, and everybody just looks at me is, uh, when was the last time your employee benefit program had a performance appraisal? And they look at me and say, what are you talking about? And you know, is it meeting the needs of, uh, your employees? Is it meeting your needs? Is it getting the value that you want out of it? Um, and we don't even get to product until the very last the very last piece. And I, I always, I pride myself in the fact I've got probably 60% of my employee benefit clients have been with me for at least 10 years. Um, That's great. So That's we're great. not, I don't, I, we're not trying to get um, changes all the time. We're trying to work within the, the confines that we have and make sure that the clients are getting what they want out of it within yeah. the same structure because there's a lot of you know when you have employees there's a lot to be said about not changing your benefit program all the time your employees start to get used to using it and then all of a sudden you put a new system in and that new system doesn't necessarily takes a year two years for people to get used to it again mm -hmm. and when you keep changing it then people aren't necessarily getting the value that they need out of it um so I think it's more um, along the lines of making sure the employers understand why that's important. I think you've touched on some great points, both of you around that. I think our industry has not done ourselves any service, you know, in the past because, you know, and especially employers are tired of the bait and switch philosophy. And, you know, I can say 20 years ago when I started on the advisory side, yeah, you could probably change insurance companies every year and gotten away with it. But those days are dead. You know, the importance of being proactive, managing a program, which is what we talk about as an organization, Benefits Alliance all the time, is more critical than ever. And I think if we walked around our 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 meetings and talked to a lot of our, our partners, that they would say the same thing. That, yeah, like like you said, Mike and Andrea, I know you'd be the same that you've had. And I can say the same in our practice. We've had clients for 10 or 15 years, and some have been with the same insurer. We've modified it and and, you know, um, modernized programs, but if you get someone on the right contract, they understand why they got that contract. They understand the risk of, you know, potentially changing away from maybe a unique contract that we've structured in the marketplace mm -hmm. could be detrimental. And you're, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, and maybe Mike, why don't we touch on a little bit because, uh, around that subject is around how we're being advocates for the Canadian marketplace in, in the benefit industry. Cause I know you've been a real spear spearheader for, our organization around ad advocacy. So maybe touch on a little bit about some of the things we're looking for that maybe companies can be, you know, looking for from an advisor in the near future. Yeah. One of the areas that we're trying to do is professionalize our industry. Uh, anybody who gets a license can work in our industry and that's a life insurance license. Um, so one of the things that 
our organization, Benefit Alliance, and another organization I'm part of, which is Advocus, have been saying for the last six, seven, eight years, is that we'd like to be called professionals in our industry space and make our positions for our clients um, like a doctor, like a lawyer, like an accountant, uh, and be a little bit more professional in the way that we deal with things. It's a big nut to crack in the Canadian marketplace because the first thing you have to understand is it's all regulated provincially. It's not one regulator, it's 13 uh, that we have to deal with. And they all have their own ideas and their own um, ways of doing things. And they're all influenced by the marketplace, the banks, the insurance companies. Um, and so we're trying to, to make it better so the consumer can look. And if we have a title called a financial advisor or a financial planner, that they know these people have taken the time and continually update um, their knowledge to provide them with the best um, service, the best advice that they can get in the marketplace. So a, a consumer can just sit there and say, okay, if they're a financial advisor, then I know I can get what I need to get from them. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little scary when you're out there and you're not sure of who you're going to deal with mm -hmm. and you don't know what their credentials are. You don't know what professionalism they're at and you don't want to deal with someone who doesn't have the skills to help you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you raised, uh, Mike, that analogy. And Rob, I know you're king of analogies, but I'm going to take a crack at one. Go for so, it. Mike, you talked about, you know, medical profession, legal profession. And when I think about the requirements that Quebec has put in place for their advisors in their uh, province to allow people to uh, give advice on group benefits and group retirement, uh, they need a whole separate license beyond that life license. Not only do they study for and pass the license, but they have uh, a, a governing uh, person, like a mentor, that inspects their work for a period of time who signs off of it week, week in and week out to make sure that they're ready to go live and give advice to clients. Mm -hmm. So when I dial it back and I think about myself, even going to my family doctor, right? They, they can do, they're very good at being a generalist. They can maybe look at what might be going on in my health, but mm -hmm. once something comes up that's out of their realm, they're going to refer you to what? The specialist, right? So Andrea, I'd love to hear mm -hmm. in this analogy from you, acting as a specialist in this regard, what are some of the hot points that you spot that you know you bring to the attention of one of your clients at an annual review? What are some of your top core things that you watch out to help diagnose and, and match up for the needs and the health and wealth and well-being of your clients? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great question, Caroline. And I, I love your analogy. And I, I, I have I have shared somewhat of a similar one, you know, when talking with employers, you know, if you went for a first visit to a family doctor and they started just writing prescriptions for you, 
Like, what would you think of that doctor? Like, what would you what would you call that doctor? <laughs> Pill pusher. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, you know, back to Rob's comment at the beginning about um, businesses getting repeated calls, like, and it, yes, I hear from our clients too, like 10, 20 calls in a week um, to, to sell something or to write a prescription for something for that employer without doing any, any diag diagnostics at all you know so um but yeah about about your question uh caroline you said about what do we look for as sort of hot spots where there's some perhaps gaps in 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 their plans uh well i think yeah what mike i've never used that phrase before about what did you say performance audit um i talk about plan audits and assessments um with our clients you know one thing we focus on is you know, hearing from them what their desired position is in the marketplace with their benefits and group retirement and their total reward strategy. So if they want to be leading with their programs and they want to be in the 75th percentile, um, and then we do our analysis and do benchmarking reports and, and their benefit program is coming in in the 50th percentile, we want to make sure that that's aligned as well as it can be for them and then help to articulate what steps they need to take to improve their plan to feel confident when they're attracting employees that yes their programs are you know in the desired position that they that they want them to be so you know i think employers maybe they they just they just think oh i have a good plan i have a comprehensive plan you know but not really really articulating where where they want to be and where they actually actually are so so that's one area and then as i mentioned before just about really understanding the 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 values of the organization and make sure their programs align and support it so it can be you know it can be very small like i'll use the example of you know, if an employer, one of their values is flexibility and innovation, which we'll hear often, but then you're looking at their actual programs that have no flexibility, they're very traditional, so they may be comprehensive in, in their nature and provide, you know, good, good coverage for their employees, but it's not aligning with the organization's values. So that's where we go, we go really deep and we'll will point out um, things to them that they've just they just have not thought of in that light. Mm -hmm. Great point. And we talk about this a lot is it's what makes our organization unique is the ability that not only to talk about these options and strategies. I think companies have more options today than ever before, right down to like three or five employees. So whether you're five employees or 500 employees, like benefits are priced the exact same way by every single insurance company. They all use the same formulas. They have different numbers within the formulas. So what makes them unique? What makes them different? And I think the, the things that we've talked about today stand out like, well, more important, what makes the advisor unique? What are they going to bring to the table? So even though, you know, kind of going back, uh, Mike, you and you and I are kind of the older advisors, you know, on this call. So we would be, you look at how many insurance companies provided benefits, 20 years ago, Mike, was there probably like 18 to 20 like different options? And, yep. you know, through consolidation yep. over the years, people think, wow, are there really that many options? 
We tell companies they have more options today than ever before. So maybe, you know, Mike, maybe I'll flip this to you. If, if, if I was a business owner, you know, you know, what are, and I'm thinking of interviewing a couple of different people because I want a, a, a fresh look at a program. Because sidebar that we can, we can tell you that there's companies are looking for more options now today to help attract and retain their staff than ever before. And especially most organizations, even smaller companies could have four generations in a workforce. So what are a couple of questions do you think they should ask an advisor if they're interviewing it for a new advisor? That's, that's probably the, the key issue that an employer should look at. Um, it, it falls into probably relationship is the first thing. Uh, are you going to be able, do you share the same values that the advisor or the person you're talking to shares? And you've got to basically interview each other. Um, and you need to, to find out uh, how they, the advisor tends to look at what the employer wants. I don't think enough employers ask themselves, what do they want within a benefit program? I think they say we have to have it and I'm going to let the advisor figure it out and we'll take whatever he or she says. Uh, and I think they need to spend more time with it. And we need to be asking them the questions. A good advisor is going to ask you about your values, about your principles, about your mission, about your vision. And they're going to go down that path first to start to find out what it is that you might be looking for as a, a business owner. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think enough of them look at it as part of their compensation package. I really don't. Yeah, great point. Um, and I, I think they, we have to show them options within uh, structuring the plan that is going to really help your uh, compensation. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head about uh, what are they going to uh, do with their employees in terms of flexibility. Andrea said that. Um, and where they want to end up with their benefits. I don't think people think enough about it. And I think they need to be directed. Mm -hmm. And a good advisor is going to do that. The Very ones important. that are quoting or calling, you're, mm -hmm. that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a price. Mm -hmm. yeah. Andrea, any other great points to add? Yeah, I just, I couldn't agree with you more, Mike. And, you know, one of the questions, you know, we ask is like, what is it that you you hope for your benefits plan to accomplish? Like, why are we investing in this in the first place? And just pausing and really thinking about it, it'll change the conversation because yes, at surface, it's about attraction and retention, but what about, you know, the health and the productivity of our workforce and providing them with security and peace of mind. And then how does that make them show up in, in their roles? And so, you know, I think like we have lots of clients in, you know, manufacturing industry and, you know, blue collar, blue car workforce and just how much the, the health of their like physical bodies is so important. And so investing heavily in those areas because, yeah, what do we want it to accomplish? We, we want our, our employees to be healthy. We want them, yeah, to be productive and, and cared for. 
Great. Perfect. Perfect. When, so there you go. That's about asking proactive solutions that your advisor can provide versus reactive solutions. My, my quote unquote costs are up. So now what do I do? Great point. Mm-hmm. I was going to say too, like when I, when I sit back and think about the conversation we're having, what's really at stake? There's some pretty major outcomes that are mm-hmm. at stake. If you don't have the right advisor asking those proactive questions, because at the end of the day, as an employer putting in a plan, you're looking at everything from death to disability to mental health and wellness, retirement savings. Rides of specialty drugs, right? You get the wrong contract, the wrong stop loss contract. Now you're stuck with your carrier potentially. And then what? Then you're yeah. now you're forced to make a tough decision potentially as a, as a business owner. He or she might be forced to you know, cut the plan design, but you know, somebody needs that high cost drug. So you need somebody who understands the marketplace and more so understands contracts. That's mm-hmm. and, and stays yeah. up to date, right? Just like the doctor and, and the specialists, you, you need to know it's evolved and what all the options are in the industry and understand how to apply that into practice. Cause mm-hmm. when you're protecting employees and responsible for them mm-hmm. and their families, if you get it wrong and someone either loses coverage or doesn't have enough of the coverage based on what they're eligible for, then that's when those tough conversations and outcomes happen. So, um, you know, why put yourself at risk with a generalist when a specialist is going to help you get the best outcome? That's right. And again, we're we're not order takers, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, part of our role is helping employers make hard decisions and helping like it's, you know, they've got a million things on their plate and they're running their own successful growing businesses and have all these competing priorities. And if we can't bring those issues to the surface and help them prioritize those important things to make sometimes harder decisions about adding coverage and, you know, including including things in their benefits plan that they need to for, for long-term is, yeah, it's just very, very important. I often make a joke sometimes that I'm, I'm a professional decision maker upper because I really like no decision is a decision. And so there are things as the industry is changing, always evolving um, government changes that, impact the benefit programs that we need to address it and and we need to you know get the facts get the data and then make make decisions and and move forward we can't we can't just keep plans status quo as they've been as they've been running mm-hmm. and even after the plans and the decision or non-decision is made there's also that element of education and waterfall after implementation, right, to the plan members, to employees and their families. So back to, you know, when I think about the role that you all play and the education that you've all had to keep up um, to keep learning from each other and this industry and all of the sessions, what what would you say? I'm going to ask Mike and Andrea the same question. What is an example of a client situation that you reflect on from the years that gave you the most satisfaction and pride and, and that feeling of, boy, was I glad that I was their advisor to be able to help them see that situation as difficult it was and um, come out with the best outcome. Is there one that comes to mind for each of you? 
I had one. Um, it was the service manager at a manufacturing plant, and she was making $35,000 a year, and she got cancer. I can't remember the kind of it, but she ended up having to have a drug that was costing $25,000 every two months. And the employer called me and said that he couldn't continue to afford this kind because he knew that his rates were going to be coming up. And he just said, I know that we're going to get crucified on this. And he didn't understand the stop loss at the time. He didn't understand a lot of the things that um, we had talked about, but he didn't spend any time on because he never had a situation refer to and she was very upset about the uh, patient and so she called me and she said i'm gonna quit my job do you know where i can get coverage because i don't want to hurt Mm. my employer and i don't want to hurt the rest of the employees because i know he's probably going to have to drop or modify the coverage and we were able to work with in ontario we've got trillium uh, which is a government plan for high-cost drugs. And we were able to work through our coverage and saved her job, helped the employer fully understand what it was we were doing, and work with the employee where she stayed there for another 10 years, 12 years, before she had to quit because she couldn't work anymore. Um, but it was really... It was very satisfying knowing that we could come up with a solution that helped everybody. Mm-hmm. And I even, we like we do an employee meeting, we give that option to all our clients every year if you need to have a, another discussion. And I had more employees thank us for what we did for her to allow her to stay working. Nice. Uh, because they were all worried about what was going to happen to her. And she had told them she was leaving because she didn't want to hurt them. Mm. Tight-knit group. And it was a lot, very satisfying to be able to to put that on the table for them and come up with a solution. Good for you. Mm-hmm. What about you, Andrea? Switch. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, the example that came to mind and, and related to our conversation already was a, a client and they had they had grown in the number of employees and their disability benefits had uh, a specific non-evidence maximum or maximum on a coverage that was in in place without medical evidence and we i just i remember the conversation so distinctly with the business owner about you know the opportunity now as they they'd grown that we could increase this this limit um, of the non-evidence maximum and it only affected the business owner and maybe one or two other people in the organization the highest income earners and again talking about you know trying to help them make decisions and a million other things and so yes this is one of the things we're going to do increase the non-evidence maximum uh, for higher coverage on ltd and if i think it was a about a month later, it was uh, right around Christmas time, and she ended up in the hospital 
uh, with um, health related issues and there was a lot of complications. And she was in the hospital for over six months in the hospital, um, let alone what, ha what happened after, after she came out of the hospital. But that decision directly impacted her because of she went on um, short-term disability and long-term disability. And I was just so, it was uh, so thankful we'd had the conversation when we did that we made the decision and we increased it. And, you know, I keep that, you know, that story, that story with me, just how important our, our role is as an advisor and to be paying attention to all of those things because employers won't know otherwise. They won't know, they won't know these little details otherwise unless we bring it to our attention and being able to, you know, minimize some of the financial worry as she's in hospital recovering and still trying to, you know, run her business from the hospital bed. Thank you so much, Andrea and Mike, for joining us today, sharing your stories, sharing your passion about why choosing your advisor matters to plan sponsors in a world where having an expert in the industry makes all of the difference for your benefits plan and your pension plan. Rob, what a great episode today. Thank you to you and our guests for coming and participating in the Benefits Alliance Voice. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.